Heavenly Father, your hands have made us and you have formed us. And so, Lord, as our creator, we ask now that you would give us understanding to learn your commands, to learn your word, to learn what we should do in light of your word. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be moving amongst us this morning and working upon our hearts to give us an even greater love for the Lord Jesus than we have had in the past. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, this morning we've come to this text for this Easter Sunday, John chapter 20, and I wanted to focus this morning on this resurrection appearance of the Lord Jesus to Mary Magdalene, to Mary, one of his close friends from his time of ministry while he was on this earth. He had many disciples that followed him. He had, of course, the 12 apostles as well, and he had a number of women who followed him around and cared for his needs, as we learn in the Gospels as well. And one of those people was Mary Magdalene. Magdalene, and she has come to the tomb early on that first Easter morning so many years ago, and she is upset when she discovers that Jesus' body is missing, that the tomb, rather than being filled with Jesus' body, is empty. There is no body at the tomb. And she then, of course, is very upset. She runs and tells the disciples, and then we see her after the disciples also see that Jesus is missing. We see her remaining at the tomb, crying in verse 11. Verse 11 we see, But Mary stood outside the tomb, crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She is obviously in mourning here. She is upset that she has lost her friend, she has lost her teacher, she has lost who she would have considered to be her Messiah, the one who was going to uh, conquer uh, the defeat and defeat the enemy, uh, particularly the enemy of Rome, probably. She was seeing him as a political leader, and here he has been brutally killed, and now even his body is missing. And so she stands there mourning over her loss, looking into this grave, and there she sees these angels who speak to her, And they ask her, why is she crying? And of course, she explains why she's crying, that at this point in time, she is crying that her Lord is missing, that the Lord's body has been taken away, that they've taken him away, she says in verse 13, and I don't know where they have put him. And it's at that moment that Jesus comes and stands there with her. But she does not recognize him. And it's quite extraordinary that she doesn't recognize him because you think this is her teacher. This is the one that she's been spending the last uh, few years with. And she doesn't recognize him. And even when he speaks to her, you think at the sound of his voice that she would recognize him. But we see that she doesn't. We see that in verse 14, it says that this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And verse 15, woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And instead of responding, oh, Lord Jesus, no, verse 15 says, thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. She is still focused on the fact that Jesus' body is missing. She obviously cared a lot for the Lord Jesus, and she cared for his body that it should be treated rightly, that it should be looked after. But instead, it is missing, and she's got all kinds of fears as to what is being done with the Lord Jesus' body and what will happen in the future with his body. How people may desecrate it is probably something that is going through her head. And so she doesn't recognize Jesus when he appears, when he speaks, until he says something else. What brings her to recognize the Lord Jesus is risen from the dead? Well, that's there for us in verse 16. Verse 16, we read, Jesus said to her one word, 
Mary. He said to her, Mary. It's when he says her name to her, in love, I would love to be able to hear how he said that name, but it's when he says that name to her that then she understands that Jesus is alive. Her Jesus is alive. Her teacher is alive. And we see that in verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary, and then she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now, why does saying Jesus' name have such a powerful effect upon Mary? I want to look at this this morning in particular, this verse 16, where Jesus speaks her name and she then turns and recognises who he is. Why is it when he says her name that she suddenly responds? Well, there's a few reasons uh, that are fairly logical when we consider it, why someone would respond so quickly and so effectively when their name is said. Because we recognise our names are very dear to us. We recognise that our names are very dear to us because our identity is wrapped up in our names so closely. When we think about who we are in this world, our name represents something of who we are. Our name shows our heritage particularly our surname. You usually take the name of your, your ancestors and so your name has a representation of who you are and where you have come from, who your ancestors are, who your parents are. And usually we like the sound of our name. We're used to hearing it so often since we've grown up and so we like the sound of our name and we even may like the meaning that our name has itself. I like my name. I like the name that my parents have chosen for me. Joel, it means the Lord is God, Yahweh. Jehovah is God. And so every time someone says my name, they may not know it, but they're saying the Lord is God. Amen to that. Say my name, say my name often. The Lord is God. Joel means the Lord is God. And so you may have a similar liking to your name, depending on what it means. And so it's not surprising that we respond well to that name and that we don't really want to change our name very easily as well. I actually had a Joel Radford from Canada write to me this week about uh, wanting my email address because my email address is simply my name and then at the company that I use. I won't share it uh, over uh, the internet as I speak now. Uh, This is being recorded. But my name is, uh, my email address is simply my name and then this company. And obviously this Joel Radford in Canada wanted this and he was offering to pay to have my email account, to transfer my email account over to his name. Now, why would he want to do that? Why wouldn't he change his name to get the email account that he wants? Why is it that he wants to keep his name and get the email account that he wants? It is because he likes his name. And I wrote back to him and said, well, I I really like my email account, and it actually uh, controls a lot of things in my life, and so it's not for sale. But I wrote to him and said, cool name, though, the Lord is God. And uh, I didn't get a response back. I'm I'm not sure he is a Christian, but maybe he will uh, understand what I was trying to get at there. But when Jesus calls Mary's name, we can see how she can respond so powerfully to that name. It's because her identity is wrapped up in it, as your identity is wrapped up in your name as well, I'm sure. But there's another reason why I think she would respond so quickly, and that's because when someone says our name, it shows they have a relationship with us, that we're not a stranger to them, that they have some relationship to us, no matter how small. Not everyone knows your name, and we're often very careful about not sharing it with others. 
always sad if you work in retail that you often have to wear a name badge. And, uh, and so lots of people know your name. And I, when I worked at Target, I didn't always like the fact that someone would walk up and, in, and say my name to me directly. They'd read it as though they somehow had a relationship with me because they could read. Um, but it, it's something that we're very careful about. We don't just give our name out to anyone because we recognise that if someone has our name, they have some sort of relationship with us. And so Mary responds here, I think, in part because she suddenly realises this person knows her. Before that, she had thought he was the gardener. And would the gardener know her name? Probably fairly unlikely, unless she was a regular at a graveyard uh, and knew this gardener fairly well. Uh, he probably, even if you were visiting that graveyard fairly regularly and seeing the gardener, you wouldn't necessarily share your name. But obviously, this person who she thought was the gardener is somebody else, somebody who actually knows her, has a relationship with her. And so she responds. And then we also understand that if someone knows your name, it's not just that they have a relationship with you, but it usually means that they have some sort of loving relationship with you, that they love you in some way. When we get someone's name wrong, if you call someone by the wrong name, what does that usually show? It shows on one level a lack of love, um, that you have mis- uh, you haven't remembered their name properly and that you don't love them as much as they might think you should love them, that you should get their name right. And so when we take the time to learn someone's name, we understand that it does show a sign of love, particularly when you have taken time to learn someone's name and then you don't see them for a while and then you see them and you say their name and they think you should have forgotten them. Well, then they're quite surprised and they, uh, they respond well because they see that, oh, he must really like me, and he's taken that effort to learn my name. And I see this in my own life because I struggle to learn people's names, but I struggle against it and I work hard because I recognise the importance of learning people's names, whether it be sales assistants, not from simply reading their name badge, but actually asking their name. Uh, If you regularly go to a cafe, to a barista, you actually learn their name after a while. Once they get to know you, it's okay, I think, after a certain amount of time to say, what is your name? And then you learn it and you use it regularly and it shows love to that person. And uh, and also when visitors uh, come to our church, I try and make an effort to learn their names because I think it's a a sign of my love towards that person. And even parents, when they use someone's name, a child's name, it's in love often. Uh, And particularly when they use their full name, it may not seem like it's a loving way to use their name, but because it's usually in terms of discipline. That's what I'm getting at uh, if you weren't following, that when a parent, if you don't have children, but you understand this, if you are a parent, you often use their full name, middle name included sometimes, to call for them. And when they hear that, they respond quickly because they know that they're in trouble. I was speaking to another pastor this week, and uh, and he was saying what his children's names are, and I said, oh, it's Evie, and he said, no, it's not Evie. Well, I said, it's Evelyn, and he said, no, it's Evie. She's only Evelyn when she's in trouble. Um, so she's Evie, only Evelyn when she's in trouble. And I know with my own children that when I say their name, first name, and their middle name, and their surname, that they realise they're in trouble. But even then, it's an act of love that I'm actually calling them by that name, giving them a heads up that they're in trouble, uh, but also that I am loving them by disciplining them. The book of Proverbs is very clear that the, the parents who love their children are ones who discipline them, ones who call them by their full name on occasion, to show them such love. 
And of course, we understand that when people say our name with different emotions, that it can show real love as well. When someone can say your name with affection, with love, filling that word, and that's what I'm saying here with, um, with Mary, I would love to know how Jesus said her name. How did he say her name? With what tone, with what gravity, with what affection was revealed in the way that he said her name? And so it's not surprising when we consider what our names mean to us, that when Mary heard her name from the risen Saviour's lips, she responded so quickly and acknowledged that he was her teacher. She heard him call her name, and by calling her name, she suddenly knew that Jesus knew her, that Jesus didn't just know her, but he relates to her and that he loves her, that this is her master, this is her teacher, that he isn't dead, but is alive. This is her teacher who has come to her at this tomb. But how is Mary's response to her name helpful for us to see 2,000 years after the fact? How is it helpful for us to study this word from Jesus, Mary, so many years later? Well, I think it illustrates very well how the risen Jesus calls us by name even today with similar effect. Jesus calls everyone to come to him. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He invites everyone to come to him. And we call this a general call. Jesus calls everyone to have eternal life in his name. He calls everyone to trust in him. But he also effectually calls his sheep. And we saw that when we studied John chapter 10, if you've been with us in recent weeks, that it says in John chapter 10 that he, that is Jesus, calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The Lord Jesus calls his sheep by name. And that's an effectual call. That's a different call from the general call that he puts out to everybody of this world, to all the nations of the world, to all the peoples of the nations of the world. He calls them all, come to me and trust in me. And then some of them he actually calls by name and they are his sheep. He knows their name. He calls them by their name. And he also uses their name in reference to others. This is the wonderful thing that if you're a Christian, that he knows your name, he calls your name, and he actually uses your name in heaven. That's what it says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. It says, He who overcomes will be like, the, uh, like them will be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name. This is Jesus speaking from the book of life. I will never blot out your name from the book of life if you overcome, but will acknowledge his name. That's our names as Christians before my father and his angels. Jesus knows our names. He calls our names and he acknowledges our name. He won't blot it out of the book of life. He acknowledges our name before the father in heaven and his angels. In Matthew chapter 10 also, verse 32, it says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Jesus knows the name of his sheep, and he calls his sheep by name. And you may be saying, how does he call his sheep by name? How does he call his sheep by name? Because here we have an example of him calling his sheep by name in John chapter 20. With, he says Mary aloud, very clear what he's doing. How does he call his sheep by name today? Does he call it aloud? Does at some point in your life you hear the word, your name being sounded in your ears in some way? How does he call your 
name today? How does he effectually call you to himself? Well, it's by the power of the Spirit that Jesus calls us by name and where we understand at some point in your life, if you're a Christian, at some point in your life, you have understood that when you read the Scriptures, when you listen to the Scriptures being proclaimed, the Gospel being proclaimed, that God is actually speaking to me. Me. He is maybe speaking to other people, yes, but he is speaking to me. This is to me. And you'll understand in that moment, yes, he is real. He is there. He is not silent, and he is the risen Lord. You know at that, under, at that point in time that who Jesus is, which is what happened so many years ago. This is why it's such a great illustration for us, I think, Mary and Jesus here outside this tomb. Because when Jesus speaks her name, she then recognises who he is. He is her teacher. He is her risen Lord. And that is what happens for us today as well. When Jesus speaks to us by the power of his spirit, where we suddenly in that moment understand he is speaking to me, then it all becomes clear. Jesus Christ is real. He did die. He did come back to life. He is my teacher. He's other people's teacher as well, but he is my teacher. He is my Rabboni. And I belong to him. It's interesting here how how Mary comes to recognize Jesus is by him speaking. Not by her seeing him, but by him speaking. And this is the way that it always operates, that God speaks into our hearts and we understand that we belong to him. You will never recognize who Jesus is. This will be nonsense to you for all your days on this earth, unless Jesus makes the first move and calls you by name. You can read the Bible again and again and again and again, but you will never understand that Jesus is your teacher, he is your Lord, he is your master, unless he says your name and calls you by that name so that you understand that he is your Lord. Mary didn't recognize him until he called her name And you cannot recognize Jesus as your master, your teacher, until he effectually calls your name either. But why would you want him to call your name? Why would you want Jesus to speak into your heart by the power of his spirit? Why would you want to understand that when his word speaks, when the Bible speaks, it is speaking to you directly? Well, like for Mary, if Jesus speaks your name, if he effectually calls you to himself, well, then your sorrow turns to joy. And that's what we see in this text. This is why it's such a good illustration. Jesus speaks her name. She recognizes who he is. And then what happens? She responds with joy. We see it there in verse 16. Even though it's not explicitly said there, you can't help but see it between the lines. Or is not a good idea to read between the lines too much in the scriptures. Uh, scripture is very direct. But as you look at this text, you can't help but see her joy. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni. That's another word I'd like to know how it was said. We just don't get it there. How did she say this word, Rabboni, which means teacher? And then verse 17, Jesus gives us a little bit of information about what happened next by what he tells her to do. Verse 17, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. What has she done? She's obviously grabbed him in some way, like she's never going to let him go again. 
She's lost him once. She's not going to be a fool and lose him again. She's hanging on to him for dear life. I don't know whether it's an embrace of him or at his feet, but she loves him and she is filled with joy as a result of him saying her name. Her sorrow has turned to joy. And so she goes back with great joy to the disciples, I'm sure, and says that she has seen the Lord. And this is why we should want Jesus to speak our name as well, because then our sorrow will turn to joy. And we should all be in sorrow in this world. If you're not a part of Christ's body, if you do not belong to Jesus, if he's never called your name, you should be very upset. You should be sorrowing, you should be weeping like Mary, but even more so, you should be grieving about your sin, about your rebellion against God, and what that means, the punishment that will come one day for you. And you should be grieving about the effects of sin in this world. All you have to do is turn on the television set. They're very good, the news are telling you the bad news of the world, which is the effects of sin. And it should grieve you and upset you that this is all that there is and this is the consequences of people's depravity in this world. It should grieve you and upset you and give you sorrow again and again and again. But if Jesus is your God and he has called your name, if he is risen from the dead, then sorrow will turn to joy. You know that this world is not the end, that there is another world where there will be no more sin, there will be no more destruction. Well, there will be everlasting joy in the presence of the risen Lord Jesus. And so my challenge for you this morning is to examine yourself and ask, has Jesus called my name? Has he ever spoken directly to you and called you to himself? Do, have you ever felt that when you read the Bible, it is speaking to you? Maybe you've never felt that before, but even now as I speak, you think Jesus is calling your name. Well, respond to that. If he is speaking to you now, if he, you're feeling that the preacher there, yes, he's preaching to lots of people, but I think he's actually preaching to me, that I can have eternal life like Jesus get, has given to so many people over the years and the eternal life that he has shown by raising himself from the dead so many years ago. If you think that is you this morning, that he is speaking to you directly, then don't squash that call. As he calls you, respond, move towards him, believe in him, listen to his call and repent of your sins. Say sorry to God for what you've done against him and cry out, Master, turn towards him. That's what Mary did. She turned towards him. It says in verse 16, and cried out Rabboni. If you've never cried out Rabboni to Jesus, do it today. Don't delay. Don't live in your sorrow, your grief, your disappointments with life. Instead, come and experience the joy of knowing that there is hope from the grave, that there is life after death, and Jesus has shown it, and he is calling you now by name, your name. Not Joel, that's my name. Your name. He's calling you by name to come to him. Respond if he is doing that right now. But even for those who do know Jesus, I think this passage has great comfort for us. If Jesus has called your name in the past, I think this passage is still a great blessing to us even now. Because when we look at it, Mary was someone who did know Jesus. He had called her by name previously before he had passed away. She did know the Lord Jesus. But of course, her 
grief had come over her, and so she was so distracted, so beside herself, that she could not recognise the Lord Jesus as the risen Lord. And this often happens, I feel, in the hearts of Christ's sheep, of Christ's believers, those who are being called, but because of the sorrows of this world, we lose sight, or some sight, not completely, but some sight of who our Lord is, of the fact that we worship a risen Saviour. And it's all kinds of sorrow that can do that. It can be the sorrow that we feel of physical pain. It can be sorrow from the loss of a friend, as we see with Mary here. She's very upset, and rightly so. You shouldn't like to see people die, particularly close friends. It's right that when someone close to you dies, it brings sorrow to your heart. It can be torments of the evil one. It can be torments from friends or enemies, even family members, work colleagues, the boss. It can cause great pain in your heart and sorrow. It can be struggles with sins and fears and doubts. Or maybe you're just sad. Even though you're a Christian, you're just sad for no good reason. You're just depressed. You're just sad. Things are down. What has happened in that moment? Well, sorrow has clouded your eyes again and you've lost sight of the risen Lord, of who Jesus is. And it's not until he calls your name again and reminds you by speaking to you directly that you recognise he is the risen Lord that the scriptures proclaim. It's when Jesus speaks to you again that you suddenly remember, oh yes, the Lord Jesus, he knows me. And he knows whatever situation I am in that is giving me pain. He has a loving relationship with me because he knows my name, which means he loves me. And he also is the risen Lord who has power over this world and power even over death. If he can raise himself from the dead, then he has control over whatever situation I'm in. And it'll all be okay. And as he speaks, as he reminds you that he knows your name, then you know that it is written in the book of life and that he acknowledges your name before his Father in heaven and the angels in heaven as well. And so when that happens, the scales fall from your eyes, that sorrow has clouded your eyes with, they fall, and you know that everything will be okay. Light streams into even the darkest of depressions when Jesus reminds you that he knows your name and he has called your name and he loves you. And he's shown that by knowing your name. And so what do we do in response when we are reminded once more of who Jesus is and that he knows our name? Well, we turn from gazing at whatever sorrow has clouded our eyes. That's what Mary was doing. She was gazing into the tomb, which was a place of sorrow and sadness. And what did she do? She turned at the sound of her name and had great joy. And that's what we do. We turn from looking at our sorrows and look at the Lord Jesus instead. And we cry out, Rabboni, teacher. You are my teacher. You have taught me in the past. Yes, I let some things get in the way. Struggles. But now I remember, you are my teacher. You know my name. This is such an encouragement for us as Christians, I believe. The older I get, I must admit, the more sinful I feel. The more I learn of God's law, the more I learn of the holiness of the Lord Jesus, the more I understand about how unholy, how sinful I am in comparison to him. And when that happens, when I understand my sinfulness, my depravity and my failures, 
to keep God's law, at those moments, they're the times that I feel like I just want to go and crawl under a rock and not come out again. That the sorrow over my sin, I don't want to see anyone. I just want to be by myself and wallow in my sadness. What happens in those moments? Well, the Lord coaxes me out each time and calls me by name and says, Oh, Joel. Maybe, oh, Joel, what are you doing? Says my name with rebuke. Or maybe with comfort. Oh, Joel. You've forgotten again who I am. I am the risen Lord. I am Jesus Christ. I am the teacher, the risen teacher. And I will never die again. Now, you may hurt yourself, Joel, by your sins, and others may reject you and hurt you as well. That may happen. But I am still your teacher. And I still love you. I still know your name. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're righteous with Christ's righteousness. You love me and know me as your risen Lord. And therefore, come out from under that rock that you want to hide under, where you feel so unholy, so depraved. You've let your sorrow cloud your judgment. And it shouldn't be. And so I turn to a passage like Isaiah 43, which we had read for us before. Turn with me there again. It's page 718 of the Black Church Bibles. Page 718. In the midst of my sorrow and maybe your sorrow, you can read a passage like this and hear the Lord speaking to you. Isaiah 43, verse 1, where it says, But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Two other people's names. My name isn't Jacob. My name isn't Israel. But when I read this text, I feel he's speaking to me. Verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. See that there, those promises? Fear not, verse 1, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. And so therefore you can pass through all waters, you can pass through rivers, fires will not burn you, because you are mine. And so when I feel sorrow about different things that are going on in my life, even the sins that I'm struggling with, I can know that Jesus knows my name and has spoken to me and said, Fear not, I am with you. I've summoned you by name. So this Easter Sunday, have you forgotten who Jesus is? Has sorrow and distress crept over your heart and clouds your judgment about who Christ is? Make it this Easter that you call upon Jesus to call your name again, to remind you, as he did so many years ago to Mary, that he is her Messiah still. The grave could not hold him. He is her risen saviour and he is your risen saviour too. Ask him as you read his words that he would speak directly to you by the power of his Holy Spirit. 
Ask Jesus to show you that he is the risen Lord, the Son of God. Ask him to show his love to you by calling you by name and then turn to Jesus once more. You may have done it in the past. Turn to him again and cry out, Rabboni, my master, my teacher. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Lord Jesus, we praise you as the risen Lord. But Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for our doubts and our sorrows. We thank you for calling our names. So many people in this room have been summoned by yourself as the good shepherd who calls his sheep by name. Oh Lord, we pray that whenever you call our name, that we would always respond by turning and crying out to you, Rabboni, teacher. You are the risen Lord. You are our teacher. You are our saviour. And so, Lord, we pray that we would always find comfort in your word, remembering that you know each of us and you call us by name to belong to you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.